Welcome to the Dynamic Leaders Podcast, part of the Talent 409 Network. We are helping people discover their talent altitude. On this pod, listeners can learn about leadership and other related attributes from former and current successful business people, coaches, and athletes. Each episode will bring you a conversation with people that display the seven pillars of dynamic leadership. Someone who possesses those seven pillars has courage, drive and accountability, integrity, grit, great communication skills, a high level of emotional intelligence, and they can motivate others. We will also talk with individuals that use their athletic and competitive experiences to lead in life, in business, community, or in their family. This podcast is available on Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Google Play, iTunes, and Apple Podcasts. If you have time, please take a minute and on Apple Podcasts, give us a five-star rating and review. Today's guest on the show is Kristen Sharkey. Kristen is an assistant for the women's basketball coach at the University at Buffalo. She's in her fifth season as an assistant. She also played with the Bulls for four seasons prior to coming on to the coaching staff. And her college career started after a hugely successful high school basketball career in the state of New Jersey. Stay tuned for this conversation. You're really going to enjoy it. Kristen's very insightful and it's awesome to learn more about coaching in the collegiate world. But first, let's sit back, relax, get comfortable, and let's jam to Are You Gonna Be My Girl? Because you look so fine that I really want to make you mine. Okay, everyone, welcome back to the Dynamic Leaders Podcast. Today I have Kristen Sharkey on the line with me. Kristen, thank you so much for joining the show. Colin, thank you so much for having me. I'm really looking forward to diving into this conversation with you. That's awesome to hear. Always excited when the guest is excited as I am to get into it. And let's dive right in, like you said, to this conversation. And first, I want to give you an opportunity to tell the listener audience who are you? like Colin said, I am one of the assistant women's basketball coaches at the University at Buffalo, where I actually was blessed with the opportunity to play there um, on a Division One scholarship back, oh gosh, 2010 to 2015. I played there, um, and then right when I was done playing, our head coach hired me on staff to be an assistant. Now I'm just here, and we're just continuing to go after championships and just raise the bar here in Western New York, especially just get women's basketball more awareness and and really to inspire the the young girls that are out here to really just believe in themselves and, you know, set goals. So talk to me a little bit about growing up yourself, just your personal experience with the sport of basketball, maybe just athletics in general. I mean, obviously we're living in a different age and we can go down this path a little bit later in the conversation where there's more women in power, there's more women in influence positions, those type of things where when you're a young girl, you can look up to them and say, hey, I can do something like this. It wasn't that long ago, but I mean, that just tells you how much things have changed over the past 10, 15 years where now you are seeing that. So I'm just curious from your perspective growing up when 
unfortunately, there weren't as many women in power and influence, what it was like for you and maybe how that affected you in the sports that you played? Yeah, so I grew up in New Jersey. Uh, my dad was a pastor of a church and we did a lot of just youth leagues and, and all that. So I was continuously always around the game, always, you know, every day getting into the gym, doing something. There's always a league or a men's league, women's league being played at our church, which for me was huge in my development as a player and everything like that. I was actually really blessed to have an incredible high school coach who would do uh, youth development throughout um, their whole, like our whole entire careers. So from like third grade on, she would have teams that she would coach. And then we would, um, you know, compete on like, you know, a little silly travel teams and stuff. But she's somebody that really looked up to growing up just to be a great coach and a strong woman. But I think that's, that's the biggest thing that I feel is missing is that, that development from a young age. How did you go about the development piece? Like when you were younger, I mean, obviously you were surrounded by people, like you said, that still did influence you in some ways, but like, how did, how did you get to the point where you said, Hey, like a division one scholarship to play women's basketball, is something that can be real for me. How did you piece that all together? For me, it was, I just loved the game. I didn't really growing up. I, there was never a, you know, I'm going to do this to get that. I just, flat out enjoyed it and for me it was if I was having a bad day good day whatever it was like I always knew that I could turn to basketball because that was something that was never gonna like leave me or do anything like that so for me basketball was just that safe haven and I feel that for me it was probably eighth grade when I decided that like I could probably really do this at at a high level it was actually my high school coach. Uh, she came to me at the end of eighth grade and was like, listen, it was a good summer. We're going to move you up to varsity. And I was like, and in New Jersey, like, you don't get to move up to varsity in middle school like you can do here in New York. Like, once you came in as a freshman, you kind of had to figure it out. But she came up to me and was like, all right, you have a good summer league with us. And um, there's going to be a good chance that you could play varsity. So at that point, I'm like, what, eighth grade, 12, 13, right? So... I'm trying to figure out who I am. So then I was just like, I'm going to put everything I have into this game because it already has given me so much and so many opportunities. And um, I think the biggest thing that was for me was that I just wanted to play the game at the highest level, be the best player that I could be for, like personally. And it just really worked out well. Can you talk to me a little bit about, you mentioned some of the things that, the sport gave you and maybe ways that it shaped you. Can you dive a little bit deeper into specifically what that was? Yeah, I think it just gave me a lot of, uh, like a lot of confidence. I think as a, as a young kid, um, especially like my early on middle school years, like I was the, always the tallest, right? So I'm always getting bullied. Like they used to call me Jolly Green Giant, which to this day is like my favorite nickname ever because that was <laughs> just what, fueled me and now it's kind of just like a joke with all my friends now but like for me growing up like I, I was really shy barely did anything but the only place that I felt comfortable in my own skin was on a basketball court and just like what being able to speak my mind and and have an opinion and that's just really where I felt the most comfortable really just having a voice so for basketball for me it was really 
something that gave me confidence just in every aspect of my life. And to this day, same thing. It's given me a pathway to really make something of myself. And uh, it's just a game. But to me, it was, it was a lot more of that. Sure. And I can definitely relate. I've said it on this podcast. I've said it offline before to people. I don't think I was more comfortable when I was growing up trying to figure out life and all. I, I had the opposite problem. I was usually the shortest person. So I would get <laughs> bullied and made fun of for being short and everything. But man, when I was, it didn't really matter the sport for me. If I was just out there playing sports and I could let my athleticism take over and just carry my actions that way, that was something that was hugely influential for me. So definitely could relate. You had a pretty decorated high school career, obviously, and you had the opportunity to eventually get the scholarship to Buffalo. But can you tell us a little bit about what your process was like as far as the recruiting goes? Like, did you have a lot of other suitors? Was it a difficult process for you? Honestly, I didn't enjoy it. I did not enjoy being recruited at all. I think I'm just that kind of person. Like, I don't like I like what's in front of me and where I'm at. And I think the, the recruiting process for me was a little bit overwhelming. But there was a lot of people growing up, especially like 10th, 11th grade, that told me, like, you can go Division One, but you'll probably not play. You know, you'll probably have to sit the bench for a couple of years. But so for me, that really fueled me. But, like, most of my family wanted me to go Division Two, except for my high school coach and my dad and my mom. That was about it. <laughs> Those are the only people that believed in me that I could play Division One basketball. And obviously myself. And at that point, there was no telling me that I wasn't going to get a Division One scholarship. And then by junior year, I had probably about five to eight offers on the table and to Division One programs. And I just kept really outworking what everyone else's expectations were of me. Um, and that's really what drives what has always driven me is my expectation for myself will always be so much higher than what anyone else expects of me. Just because I feel like that's like you can't expect people deserve your best always mm -hmm. right and if they expect something little they, i always want to exceed that but yeah recruiting wise i it got so overwhelming for me and it was really weird how i chose buffalo honestly i went on one official visit i had three others scheduled but as soon as i got back home i had a coach wanted to come to my house and do a house visit and i was just like not i just wasn't into it and i was like no I think I'm just going to go to Buffalo. So I literally just like went off my gut feeling. Now I look back and this place has given me basically everything that I have. It's afforded me to have a house, a car, a, a life, a job. It's something that I went with my gut and just it, everything worked out. Yeah. Great decision on your part, obviously. So, <laughs> uh, yeah, it's weird. <laughs> I was, I, sometimes I think back on it and I'm just like, you never know what, what opportunity is going to be there or like what the world's going to throw your way, but just go with it and, and hope for the best and work hard and you just never know what's going to happen. Yeah. And I mean, obviously rooted in that decision, it wasn't just pure gut. It was, you know, you had information on the school and the program and maybe possibly right. what playing time was going to yeah. be like. So it was, you know, it wasn't like you went in there blind, but it's definitely one of those things. I mean, if you feel good about something, that's, usually a pretty good sign, whether that's a relationship that you have with somebody or if it's a relationship with the school, like in that instance, if you feel good about it, go for it. I, I think that's really good advice. You mentioned how you hold yourself to a really high standard and that you can't expect something from someone if 
you wouldn't do it yourself, somewhere along those lines. And yeah. I can imagine that you're pretty critical of yourself at times, just knowing I'm kind of the same type of person. So I'm curious, has that type of attitude or that type of behavior, has it ever been to your detriment before? Like, have you ever caught yourself being like, man, I'm beating myself up for no reason here? Oh, all the time. There's so many little things that I, I definitely take too seriously. And I think, I don't really think it's a detriment, but there are some times where I just need to, you know, chill out and be like, all right, it's not that big of a deal. We're going to figure it out. You'll learn, you'll get better and so on and so forth. And I think for me, especially when I started my coaching career, I had no experience in it. You know, I would just team coach Jack took over the program. I played for her for three years. I knew what she wanted from a standard standpoint, but I didn't really know anything. I didn't know how to recruit. I didn't know how to really watch film and dissect it like I needed to for, and that's what I think that was good for me, but it was detrimental too, because I mean, sometimes when you're a high strung person and uh, I think that it'll affect things like sleep and stuff like that, but I don't feel like I've worked yet. So just being able to be here and, and just really strive to be the best that I can be for our players, I think is, I, I think it's actually a value to me that I, that I think so much of myself. Yeah. And I would have to think, I mean, obviously being an athlete, that's probably an attribute that's pretty desirable amongst coaches. They want athletes that want to strive for that perfection. And then just switching that over now to your coaching career, I'm sure. And I guess I can't speak for every career out there, but I would think that there's a lot more careers out there that you don't see people striving for that same perfection all the time and like beating themselves up over this, over that. There's far less at stake. You know, you're you're in the business of molding young women, not not just trying to win basketball games, but you're mm-hmm. responsible for a whole group of women each year to make sure that they can be the best people possible and that they can get a good education out of school and everything. So I think you're in the right line of work having that type of personality. I'm not trying to psychoanalyze you or anything, but right. it's just really interesting to me how that's a little bit more of a, a natural fit. Like if you have that type of background, you can say, Hey, well, yeah, it drove me in athletics. Like, I mean, you were super successful, not only in high school, but then in college as well. So I'd have to think that that drive was something that was like a key contributor to your success throughout your career. Yeah. And I think especially in in my coaching career and kind of how I look at it and go into every day is when I played, I had two different coaches, Mm -hmm. right? We had women before coach Jack took the program over and the energy was just different. The expectation was different. When coach Jack took over, it was just re-energized, revamped. And I felt like she really cared, really cared about me as a person, but more how the person I was going to become when I left here. And I think that when I took the approach into becoming a coach, it's that I don't, I want to be the person that I would have wanted, right? I want somebody to hold me accountable. I want somebody to don't sugarcoat it. If I'm, if I'm not doing the right thing, like I want to know that, that I was in a position to be successful because basically when I, I had two different coaches in college um, and the, the first woman, she was good, but, to me, I think, especially with 17 to 22-year-olds, they're at the most impressionable stage of their life. They're, 
leaving home for the first time. They're, you know, experiencing new things. They're thrown into a whole new environment. And it's our job as their coaches and their leaders to really invest in them as people. And for me, I needed someone to invest in me as a person when I was a player just because I left home for the first time. I came from a very conservative background that really wasn't, you know, wasn't sure if that was who I was or anything like that. So I was thrown into a whole different environment that I'd never experienced before and that I was supposed to come in and just play for somebody that I didn't really know, knew a little bit through the recruiting process, but but someone who I didn't really feel like invested in me as a person. And I think that was the biggest change when Coach Jack took over the program is that she invested in us as people and she didn't try to, you know, a lot of times when new coaches come in, they try to get rid of the kids that are here and kind of wean them out. But she was like, no, we're going to do this thing. Like there's, I think there was nine of us that first year left. And she just said, you know, we're going to be the nasty nine and we're going to go out there and we're going to beat people and we're going to grow. and We're going to learn this thing together. And, for me as a coach, I want to be the person that I wanted, if that makes sense. Like I wanted to be the, you know, the person that believes in every single kid who's going to push them, tell them when they're wrong, make sure that they're holding themselves accountable, both on the court, out of, out of the court, in every single aspect of their life, relationships, everything. Just because so much about success to me is the whole entire picture. You can be a great basketball player, but you can be a terrible friend, you know? So I think that that's the biggest thing for me is how can I be a leader and live my life in order for them to look at me and say, all right, Coach Sharkin can do it. Why can't I do it? (laughs) Yeah, I love that attitude. When Coach Jack came in and wanted to build her own culture, that was obviously going to be different than the previous coach, the coach that recruited you, brought you to UB. Obviously, it ended up working out, looking back on it in the long run. Now, not only did you enjoy the rest of your time as a player, but you're obviously an assistant with her. So there's something to be said with that. But I'm curious about that, maybe that first initial time period when you found out that you were getting a new coach, when she was named the new coach. Like, Did you have a conversation as a team? Did you have individual conversations how does somebody come in and inherit new players and also bringing in probably some of their own players and mesh that together? Like, what was that process like? Can you talk to us a little bit more about it? It wasn't too difficult, but it was definitely the same thing when you come in as a freshman, right? So I was going to be a junior, really a redshirt sophomore when she took over. And it's the same thing. You're getting thrown new plays, new environment. Um, so you kind of go back to – to the beginning and for for me and a couple of my teammates I know Rachel Benman you spoke to her on the show and then Margot Guplin was also my roommate we decided that this is our fresh start like these first two years don't really matter we didn't win much and there's a reason why we needed to change and the coach had to change too so I think for us we were so willing to do whatever it took to get our college careers back on track that we didn't really care who was going to come in here but we just needed that fresh start and um, we got blessed with coach jack and i remember sitting in a meeting we were in the conference room upstairs and she like went around and was telling us you know how this is going to be whatever and i was just like i just want to win whatever you tell us to do we're going to do we're going to do it to our best of ability and we're just going to continue to get better and put our head down and do the work and i think that's 
really where I earned her respect in this sense because there wasn't a single day where I wasn't going to give everything that I had. There was going to be days where I wasn't going to make sprint times because I'm just not, that's not me. I'm not, I'm not fast. You know, I'm a big kid on the block who's going to body up, but there was never a day where I didn't work my tail off to try to be successful. And she held us to that standard. If, if, if you were a 3.5 student and you brought her 2.9, she had a problem with it. But if you were a 2.9 student and you brought her, you know, 2.7, she had a problem with it. So she met you where you were at and understood you as a person and really put that time into understanding you. And I think that's how we were able to trust and build this culture here is that we understand that we aren't just coaching athletes. We're setting up young women to become phenomenal women and to become something of themselves for their families. You know, one day they might have to be the breadwinners of their families and we want to put them in position and have the skills to do that. Absolutely. And it seems like as a player, whether you were verbal about it or maybe you just did it more by your actions, but it seemed like you had that leadership trait. I mean, we already talked about the perfectionism, for lack of a better word, and just that striving to always improve. And that's just something internal that's in part of you. But also, that obviously means that you are that person that's always going to be working hard, no matter who's there, who's watching. You're just going at it. You're giving it your all. And that type of stuff, it, it wears off on other people. It's really good for cultures. And it's it's a really good indication, I think, of somebody that can lead in a more professional sense, like in a coaching career like you're in now. But I'm curious, did you consider yourself a leader at all when you were playing? Or was that something that you didn't even really think was a thing until Coach Jack asked you if you wanted to be on the staff as an assistant? That's an interesting one. Because for me, it's just I always want to just do right by, you know, the coach and the team. Um, So I always just wanted to do my part for the greater good of what everyone else like we all are we're here to do one thing was to win the MAC championship and you know hopefully go on to that in my playing career we didn't do that um but we did get close we got to the first WNIT ever for here like first postseason tournament at Buffalo um but for me it wasn't really ever oh I want to be this leader it just kind of happened it kind of evolved it wasn't something that I was searching I wasn't going out there to show up every day to be voted captain. It was just like, I knew what the, what the expectation was and what coach wanted. And if they saw me as leader, then that's what that was. But it wasn't something that I like worked at or, you know, tried to put myself above somebody else so I can be the captain. It was kind of just do what you're asked, what's asked of you, do your job, play your role to the best of your ability. And I think same, like what, like you said, it trickles down to other people. If they see you working your tail off or for your position and, and your spot on the team or in, you know, your business, whatever you're doing, I think it just trickles down. What did coach say to you when she wanted to bring you on? Like, did you have an inkling to coach or was this just coming out of the blue? And did she say anything in particular that, caught your attention and said like, Hey, yeah, I guess I could do this because of what she said to me and how I am. I always wanted to coach if it was high school, college, whatever it was. When I got done playing, I had a decision to make. So I had two 
countries I could have went to. I've been went to France and Germany to play, but I've had a lot of injuries in college. I had five knee surgeries. Like every year, I would have to get one done just to clean it up so I could play the next season. And then our post coach ended up leaving and went somewhere else. I don't remember what school it was. And I remember just sitting there thinking um, about, you know, okay, maybe this is maybe this is an opportunity for me because uh, they actually asked me to be the director of basketball operations midway through the year, and they were going to hold that position open for me for the end of the year. So we had nobody that was doing the travel, the buses, all that stuff. So all the assistants kind of just divvied that person's job up because it was so late. And then I remember um, Coach Jack and Coach Cherie asked me if I wanted that spot at the end of the year and that they would hold off on hiring somebody and they would just do the work this year, one man down. And then, of course, I was absolutely interested in it because that's what I wanted to get into. I wanted to get into coaching. I wanted to get into the world of athletics in some way, shape, or form. And then I ended up having a pretty good senior year. Had a bunch of different agents come out to me, different opportunities to play professionally overseas. Like I had a professional contract in France or Germany waiting for me and then the director of basketball operations spot. So I called Coach Jack, I think it was after our banquet, and I was just like, I won't give up playing for the director of basketball operations job, but I'll give up playing and stay here and help us continue build this program here if I could be that assistant and be on the court. And she just went with it. So it was kind of just something that I kind of just mustered up the courage to call and ask. Because I know, especially at the Division One level, that that stuff doesn't happen. Like, you have to do your dues, be GAs, and be director of basketball ops, and you just kind of work your way in. But I was just so, so blessed for her to even consider it at first. And she was right on board right away. So um, that's kind of how that all happened. That's an awesome story. And obviously speaks to great lengths about your relationship together and the trust that you developed during your playing days that eventually led to where you are now. I saw that you have a psych degree as well from Buffalo. I'm curious how that degree has played off in being able to help you connect and understand people at a deeper level, like the emotional intelligence piece of things and just how we know the mental aspects of athletics these days with athletes coming out and talking about depression, anxiety, all that type of stuff. Does that psych degree, has that helped you just having that background and that knowledge? Yeah, I think it's the, the main thing that's really helped me with is understanding people's differences and having like the patience and, and the willingness to really dive in and understand each individual. Cause to me that that's like my other passion. Like it, I would have wanted to do like sports psychology if I didn't get into coaching. So that's what I like. I like the the relationship building and really getting to understand the person and what makes them tick. And if, if I yell at this kid, is that going to make her better? Is it going to make her worse? And I, and I think just that whole intricacy of psychology and how the mind works is what's kind of how I use it. But I would never give a kid any kind of like, well, it was only my major. I only have a bachelor's in it. So <laughs> right. I don't really use it like, in a professional way, but for me, it just helps me understand our players better. So that way I can connect and get the most out of them more. And that's really, that's really the only way that I really see it 
being as beneficial as it has been. It's just really just trying to get the best out of it, each kid and learning them and having the patience to learn them. 30 second break to talk about my sponsor, Sweat with Scott. What a great sponsor she is. She's been with Pod since day one and we love having her support. Sweat with Stods offers a number of different options to get you on a path to improve your fitness future. Everything from fitness, nutrition, and simple healthy habits. So what are you waiting for? Head over to sweatwithstods.com right now, and when you buy a program, enter the code DYNAMIC at checkout to receive a discount for being a loyal podcast listener. Now back to the show. You mentioned earlier how any kid, boy, girl, doesn't matter, 17 to 22 years old, definitely an impressionable time in their life. What is your process for building those relationships? Like how, how do you develop them? How do you even determine where to start? Because everybody's so different. Do you have some type of process where you like try one or two things and then go one route or the other, or is it just more of an organic thing? Like whatever they put in, you put in as well. How does that work? I take a lot of time out of my own day and and nights and evenings just to, you know, take a kid out to dinner, out to lunch, because at the end of the day, I'm here for them. Like it's my job to to help them reach their goals and their expectations of themselves. So the only way I can be a good coach and do well at my job is if I understand what those kids and what those young ladies want out of this experience. So every kid's different. So you know, some kids I can just be completely crazy with and yell at, and it won't even affect them. But other kids, I have to be a little bit more careful. But I take a lot of time. I take time. Like, call them if I see something on Twitter that might inspire them that's kind of what I do I just make sure that I'm always giving them some kind of like love and attention in some kind of way and I think that's kind of how I really use it to build trust and then also a big thing is I like to ask our players especially like our post players the ones that I work with more closely is what's your what is your biggest fear and then how can we make your fear an asset to you or how can we turn that fear into one of your strengths? So I think that's been a good conversation starter because not always are you going to, you know, if someone's afraid of something, it's not going to always, you know, create what their strength will be. But I think it's just something to just dive into them. Like everyone has, is afraid of something, whether it's afraid to be great, afraid to, you know, push yourself past your limit or whatever it is. There's always something that you can be fearful of. And I think being able to find that strength out of it and work through it is kind of something. And I should share my fears with them as well. So it's it's a conversation that I think is beneficial because it can go so many different ways. It could be like, oh, I'm afraid of spiders. <laughs> and then you get to like dig in deeper. Then another kid will tell you, like, I'm afraid I'm going to. I don't know, mispractice in the morning and not wake up. So like every, every conversation is so different. Um, that's, that's why I like, kind of like to ask that question and it can just go, the conversation just flows. Do you have a particular success story with that approach? I mean, you don't need to reveal anybody's name, but I think that's awesome that you take that approach and want to turn a weakness or something that they're scared about into a strength or an asset like you talked about is there one like in particular that stands out to you that was like wow this this was a really cool transformation to see over the course of time 
Yeah, absolutely. Um, so there was a, a young lady that I actually got to play with for, what was it, a year. And then she, I coached her for three years. So her biggest thing was, well, what if I fail? Right. So if I, if I put so much time and investment into this, like, what if, what if I don't, what if we don't win a match championship? What if we don't, you know, what if I don't go overseas? What if I don't, like, it was always, what if I don't, what if I don't, what if I don't, but it was just like, what if you do? Like, what if, what if you never, like, at the end of the day, what if you never put yourself in the position to actually have that happen? So there, this young lady um, in particular, she was, we dealt with a lot of stuff, like anxiety, like performance anxiety, things of that nature. We got her the help she needed for things like that. But the biggest thing is, like, by her senior year, she led us to the Sweet 16. She, she was that player that she was a glue because, yeah, she wasn't the most talented, but she gave every single thing she had because of that what if, what if she actually does it, right? So I had to really work with her in that mindset of, okay, what if I don't then turn it into what if I do? And, I mean, the kid's studying to be a doctor now. Like, she's unreal. And that's just something that I think, that's why my my best experience with that conversation because she really opened up and it made me think about different, you know, things because what if she led our team to the 316 by the time she's a senior like it was just something that she's the the best one for sure yeah it's a very cool story thank you for sharing that we've obviously talked a lot about the relationship building aspect of your role as an assistant and I'm wondering if you can provide some details on other areas of impact where you're needed for your position say there's somebody listening that's thinking about getting into coaching and they're not exactly sure what it's like to be an assistant coach. Can you talk to us about where those impact areas are in your job description? Yeah, I think if for anyone who wants to get into coaching or is thinking about being in this spot, it's really you got to understand that it's not about you. I think that's the biggest thing that where people, they think I'm going to come in and be a coach and I'm going to be on the court and I'm going to be doing all this stuff. There's so much more to it than just basketball you really gotta love to serve other people and you gotta really dive into that that part of your role for me that's I mean my dad was a pastor I grew up we had homeless people live in our basement so that I grew up watching somebody who served and for me that's that's kind of been my favorite part is just seeing and working through um all that type of stuff yeah, my, my biggest piece of advice would be that you got to understand that you're serving other people. Your job is obviously to win basketball games, but it's to make sure that those people around you are doing the right thing and, and you're doing the right thing for them. So I think that's that's the biggest thing I would tell anybody is that it's not about you and you've got to be willing to serve others. I love how earlier in the conversation you talked about wanting to raise more awareness for women's basketball and to inspire young women. And I told you I wanted to come back to this and talk about it in more detail. Where does that start? Like, where do we get this conversation going? Because, I mean, you hear about it all the time. It was this past Final Four where Moffat McGraw was talking about how there needs to be more women in power so that – 
I hate saying power because it, it comes off, I think, in, in the wrong way. But in positions of influence and in positions of leadership, it's such a long process, though, to try to reverse course of the history of mankind pretty much up to this point. But how do we get to that point where the awareness and inspiring young women leads to them being in more positions of influence and leadership? Like how do the people that are watching Alex Morgan right now in the World Cup, how do they take what platform she's built and keep rising above it? That's just one example. We could talk more specifically about basketball, obviously, but I'm curious to hear what your thoughts are around this this whole thing and what you think are some of the solutions that we can do to speed up the process a little bit. I think I think it starts for, at a young age. And I think that's something that like our generation, like when we have kids and how, all those spaces is that teaching young girls and young people in general just that they're enough. Like, that's our biggest thing is that we always tell our players, you are enough. And I think that if we can instill that, especially nowadays with the social media and everything that kids have to grow up with. Like, for me, I think we had, what, AIM or something like that, instant messaging back in the day. (laughs) Like, these kids are being thrown in so many different, so many different opinions. They're putting themselves out there and creating, like, this idea of what they think they should be. I think it starts at a young age. I think it's us raising our kids and boys, girls to understand that they're enough and that they don't need to go and make this fake persona online just to get likes or, you know, that, that instant gratification. Like for me, I want to be able to start a youth program somehow, especially out in the city of Buffalo. I've been talking about it with a couple friends and, honestly make it like a you are enough campaign because for us that's how we first we can use that especially in sports that's where it all starts it's not going to be overnight where women are going to be 50 50 ceos of companies but it has to start somewhere and i think that for women if you have that space if you have that platform to be able to help young kids and help each other grow i think a lot of times women get they push each other down instead of pulling each other up i think it's it's important that we bring our sisters along we don't try to compete against but compete with and compete for like compete for each other so if i see you know one of my friends get moved up to associate head coach thing i'm not going to sit there and be like dang like how come i didn't move up yet I'm going to be, I'm going to celebrate her. Like, I'm going to be like, yes, let's go. Like one more woman of power in in a position where she can make a difference in her space. So I think it's really got to start young. We've got to teach our young kids that they matter and that, that they can do anything that they want to do and not necessarily be the, the housewife and, you know, all that, but that they really can go out and, make something of themselves in this world and it's going to take a lot and it's going to take really just i think i think our generation right now everyone says like the entitled generation and whatnot but everything's changing the world's changing these kids are growing up with stuff we could never even imagine the pressures everything everything just seems easier nowadays so for like when we would have to do book projects and stuff like we had to go and actually go to the library 
like they can just go on their phone and find answers so quickly. So I think that the world is changing and we got to be able to adapt to that. And I think it's going to take baby steps, especially for more women to be empowered. But for me, I'm, I know like how Muppet, Muffet said, like she won't hire men on her staff. I don't think that that's the right answer either. Cause you have to hire the most qualified person. But I definitely think that if we qualify each other as women and really just learn off each other and with each other, that I think that's how we're going to have to make the turn. And we have to have courage and we have to be able to go out there and have the confidence to stand in front of a room of men and give the best spiel and the best presentation and not be afraid because you are a girl in that situation. So I think that's the biggest thing is building confidence in our young girls that they're enough. Yeah. And I realize obviously this is a very difficult to completely figure out today. There's a lot of different layers because if you come from it from the one perspective, like you just mentioned where Muffin McGraw isn't going to hire any men onto her staff. One of the best things about the NBA right now is they're finally starting to hire women as assistants at this point for their coaching staffs. And instead of just blocking out an entire half of people, you know, women, mm-hmm. <laughs> women account for about, you know, it's, it's almost a, an even 50, 50 split. So instead of just saying, no, they're women, like they can't do it. The NBA is starting to open that up. For me, it makes the, situation even more difficult to understand because then the conversation starts to be about, okay, well, so these women are jumping for jobs in the NBA because this is where they can make their name and this is how they can come to positions of influence and leadership. And they can't do that, unfortunately, right now in the WNBA, for example. Mm-hmm. And it's like, how do, how do you strike that balance of inclusion with the men's sports that are more advanced in their evolution right now of where they are, but also grow the women's sports. Like how do you get soccer is the only one I can think of where the United States women's soccer team is more popular arguably than the men's team. It's not usually like that for the other sports. So it's definitely like this tangled web of what's right and what's wrong and how to treat people. But I'd love, I'm down here in Charlotte. They used to have a WNBA team, not when I lived here, but they don't have one anymore. And the NBA team here, they call it Buzz City. I don't know why, because nobody talks about basketball. It's a football town for sure. So I would love for them to be able to try to grow the sport a little bit more and, and just see like see those same people like Becky Hammond. You know, and She's getting a lot of publicity with the Spurs right now. I'd love for her to take a head coaching job with a women's team in the WNBA and Make, make them into a powerhouse, like make them into what UConn basketball is. But instead of it being a male, be a woman, you know, and, and try to, uh-huh. I, I don't know. I, I don't even know if that could work or what we'd have to do to get to that point. <laughs> yeah. I think, I think the hardest part there is that Becky Hammond would never make the amount of money in the WNBA as a head coach that she's making right now. Right. So that, that's where that, I think that would probably be an issue and then some people just like different sports. But I think I, when you mentioned the women's soccer team, the U.S. one, think about like how much those players, they went on media. They made people aware that they were treated less. 
right? So now everyone is sees them. They went out there and they put themselves in that position and we're okay with people saying, well, oh, women's soccer isn't as good as men. But now, what, six, five, six years down the road, they become one of the top, top sports over there because they made their voices known. And I think as women, that's what we do. We think like, oh, well, this is just how it's supposed to be. And it doesn't, it's not how it has to be. If you just put yourself out there and be confident and be okay to take criticism because everybody's not going to agree with you and you got to be willing to, to take some punches. If it's something that you really believe in, like if the woman that just got hired at the Cleveland Cavaliers, she's one of coach Jack's best friends. She coached with um, coach Jack at Syracuse. She was like the GA when coach Jack was at Syracuse. And that woman is the most qualified. I've never been around a basketball mind like that in my life. And I've been around a lot of different people, but see somebody that's gonna just do awesome at her job and because she's honestly she's qualified for it so i think just being a, a more open to those those positions for for women and, but i don't think that you can just stop men from being a part of our game either the women's game but i think just the awareness i mean the, the usa team is by far textbook in my opinion to making yourself aware making people aware not yourself, but making others aware of your situation, and then they honestly made themselves popular for it, and that's why so many people are watching these games. Because to me, it's, if if I had a young kid right now, I would absolutely want her watching that woman's team and listening to their conversations about equal pay and stuff like that, because they're making us aware of it. It'll never change if we don't make awareness of it. Yeah, all really good points and. Like I said, I realized the difficulty of the topic and I, you know, I don't know if there's one right answer or, or way to go, but I, I think you've pointed us towards something that is like a more balanced approach is the way to do it. You know, have that, don't make it so exclusive one way or the other, make it more inclusive, but then also obviously for the women's sports in particular, just keep that awareness up. Cause I mean, you're right. It, it, Women's soccer, when they first started, they were in the same position as maybe where the WNBA is right now. So it's not to say that the WNBA can't get there. It just is going to take some work. And you have, you know, Sue Sue Bird is, I think, one of the leading women trying to spearhead that effort for equal pay. And same with Brianna Stewart and a few others. So I know they're starting to get into those conversations and Uh they've just gotten a new commissioner. And I think they're trending in the right position to be able to to do the things that they want but if we could figure it out i'm sure we'd make a lot of money right <laughs> and, and that's the thing I, I feel like a lot of times people just they think things are going to happen but you have to make things happen for yourself so i just thought like in, for especially when we have players that come here like i feel like the more i've been coaching so like this year i feel like the players think that because they're here they've arrived and I think that works in anything. Like if you get that next spot up, like if you move up the ladder at work or whatever, like that doesn't mean that you've arrived. Like there's always something that you have to put yourself in a mindset to go get. So yeah, those like WNBA players, they've, they made it to WNBA in our game. They've arrived. Like that's the, that's the highest level basketball you can play, mm-hmm. but there's always something more that you can fight for. There's always one next ladder that you can go after and you can't ever be complacent. And I think that's the biggest thing with a lot of women in general. We get complacent 
And I'm definitely not that way. Like I'm the kind of person that I'm going to find some way to do something more and be more energetic, more passionate about it. That's just my personality and who I am. That's why I think complacency is what I think end up ruining everybody. It's like the world's just going to end up being at a standstill because everyone's just going to be okay with where they're at. And I think that's with where kids are nowadays too. It's like, you're not that good. Just because you got 50 likes doesn't mean you're good. <laughs> like you have to you have to be able to push through and fight for something more than just what's in front of you. And I think that that especially like women and, and to be in positions like that, I think they just gotta like fight. It's not to me it's not good enough to be CEO of a company or whatever. Like I wanna own it. Like that's that's how I am. Like I'm not I always want to be at the top of the pinnacle of wherever I'm at. Beautiful. So the show is called Dynamic Leaders, and we've talked about a few people that have influenced you throughout our conversation today. But I'm curious if you have one person that you want to shout out today that's been a leader in your life. Oh, absolutely. Coach Jack, the head coach here at UB. She is somebody that she will do anything asked of her. If, if she asks, asks it of you, she would have already have done it like it has done it before in her past. So she's not just going to, she's somebody who absolutely leads by example. And my favorite thing about her and why I think she's such a great leader is that she keeps people accountable horizontally. Like she's a head coach. So you know how like people is usually like, Oh, you're in charge of these people. You're in charge of these people. You're in charge. You hold these people accountable. And it's kind of like down a ladder, like a manager is in charge of this group. So for her, she like lets us hold her accountable. So She's always constantly learning and trying to be the best coach that she can be. She's on the phone with people from all over the country just trying to get more answers. She's done one heck of a job here bringing Buffalo to the first Sweet 16 ever out of any SUNY school, men or women, basketball. And to do it here is something that's really special to me. And I think that she she's just somebody that is – just works hard. She cares so much about everyone that's in her space. And she's really good at being where her feet are. And I think that's something that every single day she's going to give you every single thing that she has. And then that trickles down. Trickles down to our whole staff. And I think it's not her trying to be like, oh, I'm the leader of this team. She's just being the best person that she can be at that moment for what we all need. Then that just trickles down to everybody else. And I want to be the best person where I'm at, where I where my feet are to be the best for what the next person needs. And then it just trickles. Uh, But she's definitely somebody that I look up to and I aspire to be every single day. I get up, try to match her energy. She's 52. I'm 27. I'm trying to match her energy. So that, (laughs) that says a lot there, but she's somebody that I think keep watching. If anybody's ever seen our team play or watch coach Jack coach, we're, we're on our way and we're about to do some special stuff here in Western New York. So cool. And I fortunately had the opportunity with Rachel one time. We had a work event and we were on campus, got an opportunity to meet Coach Jack. And it was, I was impressed. I mean, it was about a 20 minute, you know, we just kind of catching up. Well, her and Rachel were (laughs) catching up. But I mean, she made me feel like I was part of the team, just very welcomed and showed us around in the locker room and just talked to us. And I was like, man, this, she feels really 
like a real person, you know, it doesn't feel like it's a fake conversation. So I'm sure that goes a long way towards the overall culture and, and everything that you've talked about throughout our conversation today. Before I let you go, Kristen, I know you have camp coming up, so I'd yes, love for sir. you to I'd love for you to tell us a little bit about camp or anything else that you have going on that's coming up with the program, or just any last thoughts that you want to leave us with. For anybody listening that has girls, grades two to eight, we are holding a fundamental camp here at University of Buffalo in Alumni Arena, July fifteenth through the eighteenth, nine to four p.m. And our whole theme is you are enough. So that that's going to be on our camp shirts this year. And it's really going to obviously be geared to teaching them fundamental skills of basketball, but also really different little confidence boosters and things like that for, for young kids and team building and working together. And it should be a really good time. So if you got any young girls, you're looking for a babysitter, July 15th to 18th, send them our way. But, um, uh, we would love to just grow the game as the best we know how. So we have our season coming up. Uh, we got four actually players right now that are competing in on the international level. We got two kids from Germany, a kid from the UK and Canada who are all be representing their countries this, this summer in FIBA play. So that's, that's really exciting for us. So just keep an eye out on that. Follow at UB women's hoops on Instagram or Twitter for all for all things women's basketball at Buffalo. Awesome. And if people are looking for a little bit more information, maybe sign up for that camp. Is there just, just go to the website or? Yeah, so it's actually, uh, we have a different website for it. It's jackattackcamps.com. You can go on there, register online, and all the forms and stuff will be sent through through email. Beautiful. I will make sure that information as well as those handles that you mentioned for following along in the future are in the show notes. So easy reference for our listeners. And Kristen, thank you again so much for taking time to hop on the show today. It was great to talk to you and to learn more about your background and what's going on with UB Women's Basketball. Obviously, you've got a lot of great things ahead. So we wish you the best and thank you again for your time. Thank you so much, Colin. Thank you to Kristen for hopping on the pod today. It was great to chat with her and to learn more about the women's basketball program at UB and everything that she's doing and what's to look forward to in the future. Check out that camp that she mentioned. The information for that camp is in the show notes. Shout out to my sponsor, Sweat With Stods. Go to www.sweatwithstods.com to see what she can do today for your fitness future. Thank you, as always, to you, the listening audience, for coming back week after week. Next week, you are rewarded with another guest.